Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Greetings in Jesus' name. We welcome you, our streaming family. God bless you, and can we greet them in the house? Come on, saints, put your hands together. Yeah, we're welcome to the feast today. Oh, I hope you're hungry, and I hope you're thirsty, because I, my guns are loaded, and, uh, and someone needs to just shoot the gun off. Well, Dennis, you go ahead and do that. Let's start this thing. Oh, welcome in Jesus' name. Oh, I have got a word for you today. We're going to be talking about subtraction on the threshold. We are in a series on the threshold. We are standing with Caleb and Joshua on the brink of the promised land. And you don't realize it, but many of you are standing on the threshold of crossing over into the greatest series a series of blessings in your life. The rest of your life is the best of your life. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, and it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters right now is the present truth God is delivering to you right now. And we're going to talk about the power of subtraction. Did you know, <laughs> we used to say Baptists multiply by dividing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes <laughs> God gives you the greatest blessing of your life by subtracting People, places, things, coverings, and comfortable things that you've known all your life. He's subtracting in this season. I want you to notice Caleb and Joshua are standing on the brink of crossing over into the greatest season of blessing of their life. And the first thing God does is he subtracts. Now, many of us wish to God he would subtract pain from our lives emotionally and physically that he would subtract a burden from our heart. Well, beloved, we are all in need of subtraction right now. And I want to just encourage you with all my heart, let the Lord subtract from you today. You don't even have to understand what he's subtracting. It may be so complex and the burden may be so heavy. It doesn't matter. We're going to find out in a second when God shears a sheep at Beth Achid, the house of shearing, there's all kinds of detailed stuff that he shears off of you, and you don't need to know the nature of every flea and every tick and every nasty smell that you've been walking around with. Let me begin with a text this morning. It's in uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the Lord's, of the army of the Lord, have I now come? Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Listen. The commander of the Lord's host and army replied, Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. 
And Joshua did so. May God bless the reading of his word. Beloved, we live in a time where we are asking the wrong question. And asking the wrong question will always bring the wrong answer. Did you know there's no right answer to a wrong question? Joshua comes and he's, he's standing near Jericho. He's at a point where he needs to lead and guide the people of God. He's in desperate need of the Lord. And all of a sudden he sees someone with a sword drawn and he says, are you on our side or the enemy's side? And the answer comes, neither. Oh, do we live in a time where people are taking sides on any important issues? Whose side are you on so we know who to kill? Well, Joshua's as blind as that. He goes into battle in a binary way of thinking. Are you on our side or theirs? And the answer comes from the, the Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ our Lord, the Messiah, in the form of the captain of the Lord's host. And the captain of the Lord's host says, which side am I on? Neither. The question is, here's the right question. Are you on my side? Mm. And it says that Joshua fell on his face. Well, that was settled. Which side are we on and who should we kill? Neither. Idiot. Are you an idiot right now with regard to choosing sides on issue? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Lord says, I'm not on either side of hate. I'm not on any side of destruction. I'm not on any side of judgment. The question is, are you on my side? Whoops. There's the knot breaker right there. <laughs> that just cut the knot. And he falls on his face and he asks a question God will answer. What is your message for me? And the captain of the Lord's host says, Take your shoes off for your own holy ground. Beloved, did you know that we're in a season where God in this time is going to remove any buffer, any man-made buffer between us and him? Even if it's a Dr. Scholl foot covering, it must go. If it's a person that has become your covering, a false identity, a, a false self, a, a yoke you've taken on you or other people have put on you, God says this is a season where I'm going to remove every man-made covering and I'm going to put your bare God-made feet on bare God-made ground. Did you know this is a time where God is removing man-made things? Man-made coverings? Perhaps a relationship in your life has been a covering and a buffer between you and God. Perhaps a person, a place, a thing. Perhaps an insecurity. Whatever it is that causes us to buffer ourselves, but putting something between us that would keep us from the intimacy of an I-thou face-to-face communion with God must go. That's the question he'll answer right now. What would you say to me? Take your shoes off. These words were first spoken to Moses. Do you remember the man of God, right? Forty years he was raised a prince. Forty years he's in exile. He's now 80, 
and he, he doesn't even have sheep of his own. He's shepherding his father's sheep. He's 80 years old, and he doesn't have any proof as a man that he's in some kind of profession where he has personal ownership of anything. And all the people said, <laughs> uh, say amen, Romeo, it's so anyhow. He's, he's 80 years old, and God, he's been a shepherd for 40 years now. He's seen everything. Did you know God can still make a pro blush? Do you know God can still do something in the barren wilderness that will get the attention of a pro who knows it like the back of his hand? And it says God starts a bush on fire that's on fire, but it's not consumed. Boy, when you're dry and you've been in the wilderness for so long and you know every square inch of land and God says, I can still make a pro blush. I can still get your attention, Moses. Oh, look, look, look over here. And it says, Moses went, well, I've seen everything, but I've never seen this. I will turn aside to see this great sight. Oh, God knows how to surprise a pro. He knows how to give a pearl. A pearl merchant will die over. He knows exactly how to blow your skirt up. He knows how to shock you. He knows how to inspire you. He knows exactly what will get you jazzed and jacked up. And he does something that Moses the pro go, oh, I will turn aside and see this great sight. And when he comes upon the sight, he's given the same counsel. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Did you know if you ever see holy ground hurts, by the way, don't let anybody tell you holy ground is not uncomfortable. I've been there. You take your shoes off, there are all kinds of stickles and mickles and nickels and every dank cold ground. There's all kinds of thorns. I was shooting uh, footage in Israel, and I took my shoes off because I don't like shoes regularly. But when I put my feet out of my sandal onto that ground, I wish to God I'd never done it. Loved one, <laughs> holy ground is dangerous ground when you're barefooted. Now, if you see someone running on holy ground, they're wearing shoes. I can promise you there's a man-made buffer. Ministries that are always running. Hey, come on, buy my tapes and you can run. No, no, you're wearing, you're wearing shoes. I'm sorry. No shoes. No, we're on holy ground. You cannot run on holy ground. When you take your shoes off on holy ground, you're from a distance. People can't judge if you're not an old man. Because you, you're like a Sikh. You sweep the ground before you, trying to get any living thing out of the way. There are so many weird, prickly things out in the desert that you cannot run barefoot. And if you see someone running, you know there's a man-made buffer. Amen? So don't feel bad. God in this season is subtracting from us every buffer and covering that has stood between. Did you ever wonder why... God promised Abraham a son. Do you ever wonder why he waited until he was like 100 years old before he got the son? And then you ever wonder why he got the son and God said, kill him, take him, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. He didn't say kill him. He said make him a burnt offering. A burnt offering was taken, its throat was cut, and it was flayed, and it was vivis vivisection, it was totally dissected, torn to pieces, and burnt whole. He says, I don't, want, I don't just want Isaac. I want a burnt offering. And I want you to do that too. So why would God do that? Well, Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise. But did you know God will even rebuke and, and, and set aside his own promise if it gets in the way of your intimate I, thou, subject to subject communion? He will even destroy his own promise if you made that an idol. 
Isaac, Isaac, a son, a son. And God goes, oh, I think Abraham just quit the I thou face to face with me, and I think he's I itting me, and I think he's I thouing his son. That has to change. You just took God off the throne, Abraham, and put Isaac on. We can do it in a minute. Is there maybe any thing in your life that has become an idol in one step? A good thing becomes the best thing, and well, that covering will be subtracted from you now. That, that shoe will be removed from your feet now. Now, don't let me sound threatening, but <laughs> boy, do we feel threatened when God says, give that up, let that go. <clears throat> oh, my neck cracked when I did that. That was good. See, my sermons are living sermons. I came to simple McPherson's. <laughs> Tom, I knew it wouldn't be, but five minutes before Gretchen piped up. They are standing at a place called Gilgal, and that's where we're going today. And I want to contrast two realities in the Bible. One is circumcision, and one is sheep shearing. Because in both instances, we're going to see the same truth. God is subtracting false coverings that have been a buffer and have stopped us from having our face-to-face, barefoot, on holy bare ground. And a man-made thing, hey, shoes are wonderful. I'm not against shoes. He's preaching against shoes. No, no, they're wonderful until God tells you to remove. See, a friendship is great until that becomes your buffer and it's more important than God. And it's become actually a means that's keeping you from God. You know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. There's some folk hanging around stupid people dumb and foolish people, and they have become a buffer between you and God. When you're with them, you can't hear God. You can't see the kingdom. You're, and you don't even realize it. We do. We see it because we're so holy. We see everything about you, but nothing about us. But, you know, remember, my sin is an explainable weakness. Yours is an abomination that must be purged from the earth. Amen. Amen. Circumcision, sheep shearing. Same principle, two different analogies, but oh, are they rich. Now, now, Bethakid, what does that mean? That's a Hebrew phrase for the house of shearing. Did you know in springtime, every sheep needs to be shorn? Excess wool creates unnecessary weight and it hinders the sheep's advancement. And, uh, the sheep would be taken to a safe place. By the way, did you know that you can only trust Jesus to shear you? Let me just throw that out. That Just think about that later. Don't trust his people to shear you because they will cut your throat. Give me the shears. I know what she needs. I'll make her the Christian God wants her to be. <laughs> That's it. And then you're Sweeney Todd, right? Okay. I'm not giving that one more second. Let Jesus take you to the safe place, Beth. Let him, he, he'll always protect your dignity while he's shearing you of nasty stuff. First, the sheep were washed there in a stream. Now, for sheep, if you remember our teaching on sheep, they're deathly afraid of water. So when you take a sheep with a huge unshorn wool coat and you grab him by the neck and you put him in the water, he's sure he's dying. <laughs> Okay, he's already got his living trust and his will, and he's called Mark Boinkin, and everything's set because he's dead, right? 
So it may look like God's killing you or feel like he's drowning you sometimes as a poor little lamb. And it seems like a bad idea. But he's just washing you because that's the first preliminary step. And then secondly, you know what they do? They put you in a, on your back in a vulnerable situation. When a sheep is cast on his back, he can be killed by a rabbit. He can be gutted by a puppy dog. They're helpless. Sometimes God seems to be, you know, drowning us and, oh, he's going to kill me. He's going to gut me. No, he's not. No, he's not. Actually, actually, he's answering all your prayers. Because if you know you're shearing, I think the record is 37 seconds to shear a sheep of the full coat. That's a gift. That's a talent. That's an ability. And I definitely want the professional sheep shearer. How about you? I don't want you shearing me. You know, you, yeah, I, I can do it just as good as anybody. No, 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 no. And many of you bear wounds because you've allowed weird Christians to shear you. That's a whole other sermon. I don't have time. I've got to stay right on target today, amen? Although I'll throw those out and you just get them later and go preach them to some other church. Amen. First they're washed, then they're in a vulnerable position, and the shear is called a gazaz. The gazaz can shear the whole coat in one fell swoop. Now, baby, do you have maybe 10 pounds of wool on you that's been mm, collecting anything like thorns, thistles, stanky business, the poop of other sheep? You know, we start a buildup with the coat we've got, and we don't even smell. You ever gone in a room where someone's been there too long and you, they don't smell it anymore? You know? You come in, you go, oh, my God. Brooke came in the other day. She went, oh, my God, what's going on in here? I said, honey, I'm sorry, I don't know. And we all look at Michael. <laughs> He's going, hey. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't even smell it, right? She starts opening windows and doors, and I'm thinking, what's her problem? You know, well, honey, your unshorn wool coat picks up thorns, thistles, stanky business. You've got stuff in your wool coat that's four inches up. You don't even feel it. It's like, what are they, what are they looking at? We smell that excess wool. Now, we showed you a picture. Remember a sheep named Chris that hadn't been shorn in five years? Yeah, Mike's got that picture, by the way. <laughs> so it's going to come up either now or it's going to come up when you're listening to this later. And if you see Chris, you will never forget Chris again. Five years unshorn, and some of you go, well, that, that looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, I'm sorry, I scanned the room. I shouldn't. Let me just preach like you're not here. First, they're washed in the stream and terrified of uh, their vulnerability. Now they're put in a vulnerable position, and now God says, I'm going to remove the, I'm going to subtract the great weight of the wool that has grown through all the difficult seasons of your life, and it smells <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> we don't want to go over the top. It, it's a little nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Is my breath all right? It's a little off. You know how people are nice? It's a little off. No, it's not a little off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot off. Amen. But, beloved, did you know he's subtracting from us the old covering of the wool that has been so convenient to us because he has new coverings for us that we've never known before. But to receive the new covering, and by the way, you'd wait till springtime to shear your lambs because God tailors the wind to the shorn lamb. 
Isn't that beautiful? He won't even shear you. You see, he, he's safe. You can trust him with the shears because he will only shear you in a safe place, Beth Akid, only in a secure place. He will never subject you to external embarrassment. His people may, he won't, because he protects your dignity. He's all-powerful, but he will never abuse you. The one with all power wants an I-thou, face-to-face, intimate relationship with you, and he will never I-it you. He will never treat you as a means to an end. Why is rape wrong? Well, it's a cultural convention we find works, and our rape is wrong because it's a violation of personhood, and God is a person, and you are a person with the census divinitatis. You are made in the image of God, and as such, you are of infinite value. And anything that violates your personhood never comes from God. Now, he'll heal every wound that is a result of the violation of others who don't respect your personhood. But you see, when even when he shears you, he takes you to Beth HaKid, a safe place, the house of shearing. And when he does, listen, he's going to shear you in a perfect way so that that whole wool coat, full stinkies and all, gnats and all, dust and all, we don't even want to talk about what's in your wool. <laughs> it just would be rude. If Jesus puts everything under the blood, we just have to ignore stuff. Because later, even it'll wound someone, even if you go through the wool and you go, Oh, <coughs> there was a snangawak in your wool. What's that? Oh, never mind. No, don't bring it up. If it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off. I don't want to know if it's obsession, possession, repossession, uh, obsession. You know, it just, please, isn't he merciful? He takes the whole coat off. 37 seconds is the record. So it's not going to take forever for him to remove and subtract from us these false coverings. But did you know, not only in one motion is he delivering us and answering all of our prayers, but you know what? You're left naked. Did you know when you're shorn, the first thing that happens is a sheep loses his identity in the flock. Have you lost your identity lately? Not quite sure. You know, you thought you knew, you know, you know, it's like Pastor Rick used to say, you know, you go, people go, people put, people get saved, then they put their fig leaves on in church, right? So, you know, when you went to a party, you'd put your party, you know, I'm going in, I'm going in, hey, what's up, what's going on? Hey, you know, you do that. Well, even going into church, you wind up putting on fig leaves and coming in, leading with a false self. <laughs> That's your wool. That's the buffer between us and God and you and everyone else. Did you know when we do, when our wool gets a little too thick and maybe we've been avoiding shearing <laughs> and subtraction on the threshold, not only do we get stanky that we can't smell, right? That's why we need one another. Because putting cologne in that wool isn't going to help anything. <laughs> it's like that Febreze in a smoke-filled room. It just, oh, it just highlights the wickedness. <laughs> you know that old motel when you still get the Febreze? It's like... <laughs> I believe that was a dead corpse plus Febreze. Yeah, it just sort of accentuates. But when God removes the coverings, he's removing now. Remember, whose side are you on? And the Lord says, neither. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Oh, beloved, holy ground hurts. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. And if anyone's running on holy ground, they're lying. They have shoes. They have a Dr. Scholes. There's something 
buffering them between the God-made feet and the God-made ground. Did you know the Lord wants to remove all pots, pl- potted plants? Jesus is coming with his hammer. He's the son of God. He, he's a good God. Yeah, but he's got a hammer, and he's breaking every man-made pot there is right now to release your roots for the first time to touch the God-made ground. Potted plants are great, but they never bear fruit. They can't. Their roots go circularly in the pot and eventually choke what's in the pot. I don't care if your pot's as big as the T.O. Mall. They're circling and you're dead. It's already done. Dead man walking. Dead girl walking. But when Jesus breaks that pot, he's only doing it not to harm. He's not harming you. He's breaking my pot. Yes, he is because he loves you so much. He wants your roots for the first time to not be potted planted roots, but planted planted roots. Someone say amen. And for the first time, your roots go life, and they go down in the ground, and it may seem like a, you know, a Lord of the Rings kind of movie. You're a little frightened for a bit. Don't worry. Those roots are so desperate for ground. They're going to go down like Jack and the Beanstalk underground, and then they're going to shoot up Jack and the Beanstalk above the ground. But first, man-made things, as good as they've been keeping you alive before now, will kill you if you stay in them, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, a context, a relationship, anything that has become stanky and anything that is causing other people not to want to fellowship with you. (laughs) And most important, anything that's become a buffer between you and God. Whatever it is, it has to go. And the Lord's subtracting on the threshold. Isn't it wonderful? Can't we all say, Lord, subtract from me anything I need? We don't even see what we need subtracted. Well, I don't, I think I'm shorn many times in my life. I don't think I need, we think you need to pray again. (laughs) Amen. Seek him again. (laughs) Right? Maybe your shoes are off, but you still got that wool coat. This wool coat is a gift from God. Remember, the wool that will save your life in Antarctica will kill you in Hawaii. Right? Something that was the shock that kept you alive, if you live in a sustained condition of shock, will kill you. So shock is only a temporary means. By the way, not only do Caleb and Joshua see a subtraction. Now now here, let's flip over our analogies a bit because I've got to cover 10 messages in one. All right. You get the wool thing. Okay. Shearing. Yeah, Beth, a kid. Yeah, heard this a hundred times. Okay, good. Now let's go to circumcision. Now did you... (laughs) Why was the sign of a covenant not a hat? What's the sign of the covenant, Lord? Uh, A tattoo. A hat. Maybe just a hug? Can we just have a hug? (laughs) (laughs) I tell them, if you just make it easier to serve you, the altar calls. The altars will be full. Let me quote Joshua 4, 8. Quit looking for the text in your notes because I'm not even there. All right. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them, and they took 12 stones from the middle of Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now, let me ask you, here's the $65,000 question. Is it easier to set up a stone altar, something that you can put up and honor and walk away from, 
or is it easier to get the foreskin of your penis cut off? Which one? <laughs> I'll take the stone altar ministry. That's why I'm signing up. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want something I can easily do in my own strength, maybe a little help from you, but that I can walk away from. All right? <laughs> so we were all good about those, that stone altar at Gilgal. Do you know what's so profound? Altars are really important. They're hard places put together until you, yeah. Well, they're going to they're gonna get introduced to something now. All right, remember, the desert babies, how old are they? 58 to 61. These are not teenagers. You know, whenever you think of the circumcision at Gilgal, we're about to see the place rolling away. We think that everybody's 18 and an Abercrombie model or something, you know. <laughs> because <laughs> God has suspended the blessing of circumcision and the concomitant blessing of Passover for 40 years. For 40 years, they have not kept the Passover. Last time they did was at Mount Sinai. The whole generation that kept the last Passover is dead. The whole generation that had been circumcised is dead, except for Joshua and Caleb. There were two circumcised men that could wave at everyone. How y'all doing? Hey, first of all, we just want to introduce ourselves. <laughs> we don't have normal knives. We have flint knives that we've been sharpening up. All right? Two out of two million are now in the circumcising business. Now, again, what is circumcision, Pastor Craig? Well, it was the sign of the covenant. God said, I want to mark you uniquely as my own people. How about a hat, a bracelet, a ring, something? You know, we can, we can work on this, Lord, because we want to reach as many people as we can without the offensive, cut your poor skin off. You know, that's getting a little, beloved, Everything God does, there's a reason for. You see, we're living in a time where there's no recourse to privacy anymore. The Lord says, I want to move in so profound and so deeply into your life that I know it's natural to be born uncircumcised. Man, I'm only doing what I'm doing because it's natural to me, man. I was born this way. Yeah, we were all born liars, cheaters, narcissists, and rebels. But God says, I want you to live a cut above uh-oh, I knew something would happen. I, I want your natural predispositions to be ignored, and I want to take you up a step higher. And so he introduces, as the sign of the covenant in Genesis 17, the odd thing. And by the way, Abraham had to circumcise himself. So before you complain, <laughs> that's a rough... That's, that's like the movie where they say, eh, you're going to go in that room, and you're going to cut a pound of flesh off your own body and you're going to weigh it on the scale and when you do and if you do and if you can you will be allowed to live and they give you a knife and they send you <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't mean to put that on you but you can't unthink it right he had to circumcise himself you know <laughs> so don't judge folk you don't know what they've been asked to do <laughs> honey you don't know how expensive it can be to be in ministry for a long time well, that's a whole other thing again I'm just dropping these gleanings you have to pick them up he calls them to a covenant sign that will remove from them any covering 
that is a buffer between them and the most utmost sensitivity that they can have. Do you see this all relational, intimate? First of all, he respects your intimacy. But he marked the people of God at the very fount of their creativity and ingenuity. And he says, I want to touch you so deeply at an unforgettable level. I want to mark you in a way. It may hurt, but it's not harming who you are. You, I want to mark you so indelibly that you're my people. Of all the people in the earth, everyone will know that I'm your unique covenant God. I'm your daddy. You're my baby. If they mess with you, they mess with me. If they bless you, they bless me, and I will bless them. But this beautiful sign, this rolling away, becomes such a potent image all throughout the Bible. It's not just like, yeah, well, the Jews are circumcised. You know, a lot of people were circumcised. Well, loved one, it's got a deeper meaning. There's something profound about what God is doing. He's subtracting non-essentials from his people. Did you notice that? We'll die on the wrong battlefield. Here's the rule. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Right? That means in essentials, we, we, that's the battlefield we die on. That's the water we drown in. But in non-essentials, ne- never. Never. Are you dying on the wrong battlefield? Are you making the test of Christian fellowship a non-essential thing that God could care less about? You do, but he doesn't. Remember? Are you on our side or theirs? Neither. Never was. Here's the question I'll answer. (laughs) And Joshua asked it, what would you have me do right now? Take your shoes off. Take that man-made thing off. You've made the buffer that is blocking me from you, and let's get our eye-thou face-to-face back. Can you say amen? Do you see his call for intimacy? And so in in circumcision, he's subtracting non-essentials from his people. He's subtracting false buffers between us and him and He's got new coverings for us, but he's got to remove the old one before he puts the new one on. Loved one, is he subtracting people, places, or things from you? Let him. Let him do his work of circumcision. Amen? Just let him. Just say, well, God, I don't know how I'm going to live. I I can't. You're cutting an umbilical cord off of me. You can't. Remember when we taught on winemaking? Remember that nine steps in winemaking? The third step was the removal of stems. If you put the grape in the crushing bin before you remove the bitter stem, it'll soil the work of fermentation. Did you know stems represent the sources of life that have been sources of life for us up till now? That person, place, or thing that literally was a well you're drinking from is keeping you alive, mouth-to-mouth, resuscitation. God says, I I need to pinch the stems. I'm pinching off and subtracting from you on the threshold former sources of life that just are, it was a well, but now it's pumping sand. You ever run into that friendship that was pumping water, now it's pumping sand? And But you're you're so loyal, you're going to stand there and expect water to come back? And we come back, and eight years later, you're standing over the same <laughs> wrench garden, watering it with your tears. But wrenches could grow in Jesus' name. I believe I receive a wrench will grow in the name of Jesus. Now, you'll fill your pants doing that, but you'll never cause a wrench to grow. So God wants us to tip our water pot over to the roses. Amen? So he does that under the imagery of removing the foreskin. Now, to the Jews, this was primarily a physical surgery. In the, in the New Testament, we're told that, that our, our circumcision is, is spiritual. 
They get to Gilgal, and God says to this ragtag bunch of 58 to 61-year-olds, I've suspended the blessing of circumcision. And you, by the way, you can't have Passover until you've been circumcised. An uncircumcised person couldn't eat Passover. So for 40 years, Passover has been suspended, that blessing, and circumcision has been suspended because they didn't circumcise any of the desert babies. Now, but remember, the desert babies are 58 to 61 years old. Now, there are some under 40, but there's the only others, there's just an upper crust of these old folk like us. Have you noticed how old you are? Have you ever noticed? We've got a ragtag bunch of folk with, with the apparent failure to launch in almost every category. You know what I mean? I, I, I haven't failed to launch. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> come on now. Come on. By worldly standards, did you think you would be somewhere other than where you are right now? Well, it's the devil and, and God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the point. God wanted those desert babies to wander all that 40 years in the wilderness, in circularity, going plenty of nowhere fast and just getting older and watching 100 funerals a day for 40 years for them to come out at an awkward age that in the Western church, in the American uh, community, you know, Dick Mills used to say, we talk about the hen that quit laying eggs and the cow that quit giving milk. Hallelujah. What you're making at 40 is what you're going to make the rest of your life. The devil is a liar. That wasn't a good Dick Mills. I just didn't have the strength to exhaust myself. Loved one, you are right on time. I don't care what the world standard is. I don't even care what your own internal standard is. Desert babies, God elected to be circumcised at my age. Now, that's a different mental picture, isn't it? Right? So there are people under 40. The majority of, the, of the, all the folk are under 40, but the upper group that are still alive and still have a testimony of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire and manna every day, they're the ones that are primarily being circumcised right now. Now, Gilgal means to, Galal, it means to roll away. God subtracted from them their foreskins only in order to take off hold the blessings that have been withheld. Did you know 38 years? Sometimes blessings have been withheld in your life for a season of time because they cannot be released. The pause button can't be let off until you've been circumcised and you eat the Passover. In the new land. And by the way, he subtracted their foreskins. Now, notice the context. They're all standing at the gates of Jericho with their enemies watching them. Thus far, the enemies are terrified. God's put a fear of the people upon them, and their knees are rattling together. That's good news because the Lord's. <laughs> The Lord's plot in military strategy is going to be to immobilize all of the army men in front of the enemy. Now, this is not a good battle strategy in any given context. Circumcise all the warriors, neutralize their power so that they're all wounded and they're laying half dead. I've got a good idea, and let me just tell you, he's subtracting the enemy's strength by giving us stupid military commands. I say stupid in quotes, air quotes. But does this sound like good military strategy? Circumcise and immobilize and make utterly useless all of our military men and do it right in the presence of the enemy. Now, this would have been a golden opportunity for 
Jericho's guys to come out and wipe them out in a day. (laughs) And it says they had to heal. (laughs) Has the Lord done any deep and profound surgery enough where you have to go, I have to take a few days off. I'm talking soft. I did that. I had a surgical procedure which immobilized me. And then no one had to tell me, now don't do any jumping jacks and don't jump out the second floor window. You don't, certain commands you don't need at your age. <laughs> the thou shalt not, see, older I get, I can't do any of them. It's not holiness, I'm just, it's old age. But he immobilizes them and he makes them utterly dependent in abject weakness in the presence of their enemies. Remember, he sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies, but he will circumcise you and remove and subtract every covering and every buffer, and he'll do it in front of the enemy. This does not sound like a wise military strategy. And all the people said, <laughs> amen. Do you remember another a wonderful military strategy that made so much sense? Remember a man named Gideon? In the book of Judges, chapter 4, 5, and 6, Gideon has 32,000 men, and they're against 135,000 of the Midianites, all right? And God says to Gideon, I want you to be my leader. You're my mighty man of valor. Yes, Lord. Okay, what's your military command? Okay, well, you guys have 32,000 people. Let me see. There are too many. So let's subtract. What? 32,000 against 135,000 is 4 to 1 against starting. The odds are against you. But, beloved, even if the odds are against you, God is a a God who's against the odds. Don't worry about it. He's the only primary fact you need to know. They started off 4 to 1 against. Then uh, God says to Gideon, you know, honey, we still have too many people. He goes, look, I want you to ask a question. Go and see if anyone is serving with a false motive. If anybody's here because they feel coerced, manipulated, controlled, or in any way that they really don't want to do it, it's an ought and a should, and let them go home. So he asks them, and 22,000 leave. Oh, all right, we were dead at 32,000 to 135,000, four to one against. Now it's 13 to one against the odds. And the Lord's, and and Gideon's, you know, like all leaders, is not chain smoking, but you, you know what I mean. He's a little. The nails are gone. Toenails and fingernails are gone. He's chewing. He's chewing. He's going, okay, Lord. Okay. Hey, hey, I'm a servant of the most high God. Okay, no problem. And God goes, you know what, sweetheart? I've I thought about it again. You still have too many. Now, when you're, <laughs> when you're receiving military commands in the near future, just do what he says. Just do it. If he says, wave a prune over a sick person, wave a prune. Over sick. Don't say, well, what do prunes have to do with sin? See, you know you're getting closer to him when you ask. You're, not, you're too exhausted to ask too many questions. Now he says, oh, you know what? You still have too many people. I want a second test. All right? So we've lost 22,000. Now we're down to 9,700. <laughs> and God says, you know, you still have too many. What I want you to do is I want you to do a second test. I want you to notice. I want to tell them all go to drink. And when they go to drink, look for the guarded, disciplined, aware guys that, 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 that go to drink. Now, some are going to throw their weapons aside and just jump face first in the water. Dismiss them. Send them home. Just the guys that cut the water, they're, they're so aware 
that the enemy is four miles away. He's four miles away. So it says they lapped like a dog. They took their hand and they just sipped and they kept their armor and they kept their swords and they're aware and they're disciplined. God says, pick them. Now, guess what? (laughs) There are only 300 of them. So 9,700 leave. Now the odds are 450 to 1. (laughs) Against 135,000, none of them have died of a stroke. Lord, kill them all. He will in a minute. But I want you to see, we're living in a time where he will give military commands that are irrational, illogical. It's got to be God because you do not tell people, circumcise your whole army and the presence of the enemy and immobilize them. Did you know, though, in the Bible, when we're weak, we're strong. Remember Paul said, I will rather glory in my weakness because when I'm weak, his strength has fulfilled its purpose. When I am hopeless and helpless, his power has its first opportunity to channel through me. And we're seeing this with Gideon. Poor Gideon. Now he's got 300 guys against 135,000. 450 to 1 now, and then God gives them the brilliant command concerning their weapons. He says, now, the weapons we're going to use is a shofar, a horn, a little bit of light, and a clay jar. Go forth and conquer. You're supposed to put the light in the clay jar, and you're supposed to take the horn, and and Gideon says, I'll break you into three groups, and I want you to surround that camp of 135,000 drunk enemy Midianites. And when I tell you to, don't ask any questions. Just break the jar, let the light be seen, and blow your shofar. By the way, it's not a normal trumpet. You've heard them. I... (laughs) I have a friend that like induced a stroke in him trying to do that. He was on he was on a Zoom call and his whole thing is he's the guy that blows the shofar. Well it's impossible to blow a shofar. All you get out of it, killing yourself, is just a little, you know, you know. And if someone doesn't tell you this is not a cornet in Mr. Friedman's class, that all the air you're putting into this is not gonna get a consummate reward. All right. And he's on a Zoom show and he's like going and it was like he's better now. I can laugh at it. It was just, I knew there's something wrong when he's doing it. Anyway, that's, that's their weapon of war. And break a clay vessel. But did you know the Bible says that God, when they obeyed him and did what they were told, he caused the 135,000 Midianites to kill one another and be confu- a spirit of confusion. A strong delusion to believe a lie came on them, and they started killing each other, perceiving they were their enemies. I don't know if you'd ever think where that would apply anywhere in the world, but. And then you know what? You know what God did? And I don't like this, and I think he needs to reevaluate. He called all the jackasses back. He let them come back. They already proved they couldn't be trusted. David would do the same thing. All those folk that left he let come back for the booty. He let come back and chase the Midianites. He let come back. Now, that's where I draw the line, and I have some questions. But then I think he let me back. <laughs> that's okay. But you, <laughs> my sins are all understandable weaknesses. Yours are blasphemies. <laughs> He let the idiots back. <laughs> David did it too. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> Remember his mighty men kicked the butt, and whenever it was at the end, he'd say, okay, let him come back. 
Now, I think he drew a line under their name, nothing less through their name, and always remembered who it was. Remember when Absalom, the majority, sided with him and David came back later? I think he marked everybody in the book. That's my. Pr- it's not in the Bible, but you know what I mean? Your Majesty will come home when you've doubted you for a moment. So, <laughs> I don't think we have enough points to cover in this handout. Circumcision, sheep shearing, same truth, two different analogies so that you can't possibly ever forget this, right? You're always going to remember this one teaching, and it won't be, it was really profound, but I don't remember what it was about. Sheep lose their identity when initially shorn because it used to be this big buffer on you that you're used to and even the smell you got used to. But when you're shorn, and it, you're a little pink thing running around. Ever seen a dog shorn <laughs> for summer? I saw one the other day. <laughs> it's just so apologetic. You know, it's like a chain smoking chihuahua. It's like, I'm so sorry. I know. I know you're looking at my pinkness. I know. I know. You know, God will reduce you when he subtracts your coat to a little pink dog that everybody said, you know, Mark Twain used to say he was on a slow train and, and the train was so slow that a long, low dog climbed on the back. He said the owner was quite fond of it. (laughs) He said it often took prizes. And he said, well, if I had a long, low dog like that, looked like that and walked him out in public, (laughs) I would think some people would stare too. But he talks about the long, low dog that came on the train and barked steadily at nothing till it died. Dogs are even embarrassed about their shearing. You know, you ever get a weird haircut? Do you know what I had done to me in the 1980s? I went to my friend LaMare, and she did a perm. She said and assured me, this is a temporary body wave, because I would never do a perm. <laughs> I mean, you're, you don't want a perm. So my temporary body wave in Beverly Hills seemed to be going well. You know, it's really nice when they're doing your hair, and you're falling asleep, and they're massaging the thing. Well, she like took the rolls out and she dried my hair and she pulled the towel away and I started, the sun will come up tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar there. It was horrible. It was, it was Annie. And I I just went, ah, and she went, no, no, it looks mighty on you. It looks mighty on you. Well, she sent me home. Now, just pay it. I had to go that night to Todd Fisher's house on Cedarbrook in Beverly Hills to teach a Bible study. And I was the embarrassed little dog. I walked out of the car and everyone went. (gasps) There wasn't even, you didn't, it was so bad. (laughs) And now I lived with that for a week. I went and got a friend at the airport and they just walked right by me because it couldn't possibly be Annie from New York. It was terrible. I have a picture, by the way, I have a picture. And if you are a platinum giver, you'll be allowed to see it. So get those ties in. But uh, I, I remember my friend Kathy, I was over at a friend's house, and Kathy said, well, you don't like the hair? I went, no, I like the hair. I'm going to kill myself. She said, well, you can just put relaxer on it. I went, what? She went, yeah, go down to Santa Monica. You go to any beauty store and get relaxer, and it'll leave just like that. I jumped in the car. I drove someone else's car down to Santa Monica Boulevard, went into the beauty shop, got the relaxer, went home, and I put that on, and oh, did it relax. Thank you, Jesus. But nobody told me, like Dorothy with the ruby slippers, you know, you could have gone home all the time. He's like, didn't you know? 
the good witch Glenda. I always wanted to see her beaten to death with a baseball bat. But we can't change everything, can we? But we have to grieve, beloved, every coat that is shorn from us. It may be saving our life, but you have to grieve. Because, you know, sheep, the Bible says, the Lord makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep will not lie down in a vulnerable position unless they're, 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 if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they've got insects or they've got enemies. Four things you've got to take care of before sheep will even lay down. Okay? But God's calling us even deeper. He's not just calling us to a vulnerability of laying down in green pastures. He wants to shear the coat off and leave us utterly naked before him. And But you know, he's an economical God. He'll use the wool he removes from you and to make clothes for other people. That's not your business. But everything, even the negative things you've accumulated can be taken, recycled, and used for the glory of God. That's another, I just dropped that gleaning, Ruth. Go get that one. But you won't be able to receive the new coverings till the old are gone. See, they wouldn't be able to eat Passover unless that foreskin was cut off. Why, why, why the surgery? Because the Lord says, I want to mark you uniquely as mine. I'm calling you out. I'm removing anything that would buffer your sensitivity, would allow the possibility of bacteria, anything. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm calling you to be beyond what you were born with. Well, I was born like this. I don't, who, fill in the gap. Whoever makes that argument and then puts the gap, there, fill in the blank with, we're all born naturally with those inclinations and predispositions. God just simply says, I'm calling you higher. I don't accept that. People accept that. I was born this way. Yeah, you were born lazy. You were born a liar. We have an inherited nature, right? We're born with the propensity to sin and the necessity to die. We're born on a toboggan sliding down into hell. <laughs> That's true, too. So, whoo, Gretchen holds on and thinks it's a positive message. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you know God is subtracting the foreskin because he said, I'm rolling away the, the shame of Egypt. What was the shame of Egypt. Well, they were slaves. No, that wasn't their fault. God sent them to Egypt. It wasn't their fault of Pharaoh rose that knew not Joseph. That wasn't what was rolled away because they had nothing to do with that. You know, I want to live long enough to have actually one sin I'm persecuted for that I'm innocent of. How many of you want just one time? No. <laughs> just to be persecuted for Christ's sake once and not because you shot yourself in the foot again and shot them in the foot again. You know, no guns allowed. I want that. But notice, the <laughs> just once, Lord, Craig persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, most of you are persecuted because you have a sandpaper ministry and you rub everyone the wrong way. That isn't persecution. <laughs> just because you're a jackass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because you're... <laughs> I read a quote the other day. It said, she had the ego of a raging tooth. <laughs> oh. They 
said of Queen Victoria, she was a paperweight that sat upon and oppressed an entire age. <laughs> Ooh, now we'll never say that to you face to face, but we'll discuss it as landscape behind the scenes. It's not gossip, it's landscape. Leaders have to, okay. I'm fini- I've gone through much more than I thought I would, and I need some applause right now. Give, give me some sugar. <laughs> Dennis said, you got 10 messages in one. I said, are you kidding? I got 20 messages in one. But you know what? I, I don't know who my audience is today, but you're getting, you're getting the bonus plan here. It is a season of sheer mercy. And blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to close in the next few minutes and tell you he doesn't just want you vulnerable in the green grass. He wants you naked before him because Adam and Eve were both naked and unashamed. God has relations for you in the near future where you are for the first time in your life going to be able to be naked and unashamed. Maybe you were married, but you never had that. You will. Maybe you've spiritually never had such a safe place that you could be utterly naked and completely yourself and unashamed. Where you could be so safe, Beth Akid, the safe house of shearing, where you could just wander around in your own house dressed as you feel led to be dressed or undressed and not be embarrassed by your body size, your image, cellulite, anything. Do you see all these images? We are so crimped. We won't, some folk won't leave the house unless they're dressed up like Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? Some people won't. I will. <laughs> I rebuke that teaching. I've always had my liberty. <laughs> I know you've heard it before, but I know there's at least one soul here that has not heard this. I went to Target with my big long shirt and, and my, my new shorts, and I went down to Target and I did some shopping, and I came home. <laughs> and Brooke, Vicki Saunders, and Rebecca were all there, and when I walked in, they went, <gasps> okay. No, I thought that was a good thing initially. And they said, what, what are you doing? I said, what are you talking, what? I'm, where were you? I said, I was at Target. You know, I'm thinking, oh my God. They said, what did you wear? I said, I wore this. They said, you're wearing your Spanx. Those aren't shorts. You just exposed the world to something they can never unsee or unthink. And I said, that's my gift. The God of sheer mercy. So they weren't, sp- I mean, they look like shorts to me. I mean, they, <laughs> okay, let me, let me close. All right, because this next part of the word is some of you, this is what you came for, and you will not be disappointed. It was the nakedness, the utter nakedness of the sheep that triggered the greatest season of celebration. And it was called the Sheep Shearing Festival. Did you know it's mentioned in the Bible four times? The Sheep Shearing Festival. This was a huge event in ancient Israel. This was a huge celebratory event. And there are a number of things. Listen, when we allow God to remove the foreskin and circumcise our lives and hearts, and when we allow God to shear us of any quote coat that has been a buffer between us, there's a reward Did you know we are, those that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We believe that he is. You can rehearse that. You don't believe he's a rewarder of those that, you don't. Of course not. You do for me, but you don't for you. 
you don't believe God's ever going to reward you, nothing's ever going to be the same, that's a deception of the devil. That's fairy dust and magic wands. You do believe that he is, and he gives you some mild golf claps over that. But do you really believe, like Dorothy, there's nothing in that big black bag for me, I'm sure. Everybody got something. There's nothing for me. Beloved, the nakedness, the sheep's, the sheep experience is the celebratory. It launches, it triggers. The circumcision at Gilgal triggered Passover. And there was something else subtracted from the mix that we'll deal with next week. The manna ceased. The day after, by the way, it says they came in the land the 10th of the month. They were circumcised with flint knives. And on the 14th of the month, they ate the Sabbath. They ate the Passover. All right? Sometimes God will ask you to celebrate while you're still in pain. Three days to heal from this? Oh, I au contraire. I need a month in Aspen <laughs> before I celebrate anything. Did you know sometimes God calls us to do the greatest praise? Like Bishop Jake says, give him a praise on credit. <laughs> because sometimes he calls you to serve him while you're still in pain, while you're still limping. And he calls you to feast you say, God, surely you're going to let me heal up a little bit more from this. I'm still obscenely attacked by the devil. You don't know my thoughts last night. You don't know where I was last night. God knows the pain you're in, and he celebrates the fact that you will celebrate in pain. I don't know about you, but I've served the majority of my life in ministry in pain. In pain. All the stages of healing from that circumcision. There's bacteria. There's infection. There's God knows what you have to get nowadays. All the meds we have nowadays. Can you imagine? Thank God we live now. They didn't have anything like that. They're probably using a poultice of dates. <laughs> General McClellan once asked Lincoln for more men. He already had 150,000 men, but he was so terrified of ever engaging this tiny enemy at that point. That he would ask Lincoln for more men. And he said, I need 50,000 more and I can draw the enemy down. He said, it reminds me of the, <laughs> the crazy woman in the insane asylum that the doctor suggested a, a date, <laughs> a date poultice on her feet that would draw the crazy down. <laughs> oh, you'll get that later. It's charming. God knows how to draw down all the poison, all the pain. And he'll call you to celebrate in the midst of pain. He'll cause you to serve him in the midst of pain. He'll cause you to preach on issues that are not enacted in your own life while you're still in pain. And there's something about obeying him even when you're hurt. And can I mention one more thing? I'm not asking permission now. I'm taking liberty. Who give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. All right. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Good. And there's always someone's never heard that one. <laughs> Nakedness triggers a celebration. He's been waiting all of our lives to be intimate with us. He's been waiting all of our lives to embrace us. When you lose that 
wool coat. The shepherd himself has to warm you. You will never be closer to Jesus Christ than when he takes you utterly naked and he wraps you in his arm and he covers you with himself and he says, I'll warm you up, baby. Don't worry, I won't let you die. The master potter is never closer to the clay than when his hands are shaping it, feeling every bit of grit and removing every impurity. He's on you. He's, he, you're never closer to him. And this is a time, beloved, the move of God that's coming is so holy and the anointing is so heavy that he is stripping us utterly naked and he himself is becoming our garment, our covering. Abraham said, where's my son Isaac? And God said, I'm your exceeding great reward. Isn't that enough for you? Can't we just have an I-thou subject-to-subject relationship and you sort of forget about toys and gifts and blessings and, you know, yeah, I'll give you your kid, but I'd really like that not to interfere with this intimacy we have face-to-face. You know, I always tell Brooke when I'm preaching and we went over the fact that I-it relationships are subject-objects where you're using someone. You can call it whatever you want, but you are using someone as a means to an end. They are an instrumental means of you meeting your needs, period. And we I-it almost everything and everyone in our lives, including in ministry. We're I-itting all the time. It's a subject, object. You are a means to an end. But Brooke was telling me, she said, you know, one of her precious nephews, she adores her nephews. And she said, you know, James, her nephew James was just, he was sitting with her and he was sort of, you know, poking at her arm and whatever. And he was eye-itting me. He's trying to use me to get popsicles and candy and, you know, <laughs> using me as a means to an end as all children do in their sincere little way. But, but she said, James stopped for a moment and he looked in my face and said, hi, auntie. There was an eye-thou moment, she said, we had. <laughs> the baby just quit, you know. I used to walk in from a trip to Israel and my kids would bomb me with hugs as they, now Brooke, (laughs) I know she loves me for me, but as a baby, she would hug me while reaching over into my backpack, unzipping it and looking for presents. It wasn't a real (laughs) I thou moment. I was being I edited under the costume of being I vowed. Like I didn't know that. I just hugged her anyway and soaked her (laughs) up. Hi, baby. Daddy's here. I know you love me for me. It's like, daddy, daddy, presents, presents, okay? Well, that's okay when they're babies, but maybe we could all grow up enough to where my friend Jill one time said, Jesus said to her, you love me because I saved you, and that's okay now, but someday it's going to be deeper. You love me because I gave you your fire insurance. You treat me like a means to an end, but someday it's going to be I thou. Someday when you're, you're shorn, when you're circumcised and you're naked and you're in pain and you need me, I will be your covering. It's just us. Just us. That's all he's going for, that intimacy. Because this move of God is unique. It's going to be love. It's going to be the bloodstream of the kingdom of God. It's going to be, as Pastor Rick says, the goodness of God. And a display of the goodness of God. But that goodness only comes up close when we're naked and we need him as our covering. Not out of desperation, but out of choice. I want you. I always say, when, you, when you're doing something, ask, is this compelled, impelled, or freely chosen? I have to do it every day, every lunch, every dinner. Is this compelled, impelled, or freely chosen? When Tom and I went to Ruth's Chris, it was definitely freely chosen. 
And you sensed there was no, com <laughs> I wasn't compelled or impelled, did you? No, but I had my steak and I had my asparagus. I freely chose that dinner. And God wants us to be able to freely choose the intimacy and allow our nakedness to be covered by his warmth for the first time. Now, I just want to read off a list of eight rewards that you can look forward to in the next little while. Because there are eight things that happened at the sheep shearing festival, this great and glorious festival in Israel. And, and these are going to be endemic of the healings and the deliverances and the rewards you're about to receive. So listen, listen. At the sheep shearing festival, old scores were settled at the sheep shearing festival. Ooh. Tamar had been raped by her brother Amnon, and Amnon was murdered at the sheep shearing festival. Old scores are going to be settled. You say, well, that's a little dramatic. Loved one, some of you don't realize you still need God to settle old scores for you, for you, on your behalf. Did you know that when kids grow up, they don't hate the person who abused them? They hate the one that enabled the abuser. Ooh. Mm. Hey, you're hating the wrong person. No, they're not. You knew that was happening, and you let that happen. You devil. That requires an apology. Apologize to your kids. You'll, you'll be amazed how resilient they are when you do. See, Mama knew that was happening, but she went and had a cigarette while that was allowed to happen with Uncle Bob. You're not going to hate Uncle Bob. He's easy to forgive. He's a devil. But Mama, who allowed that and enabled that and kept inviting Uncle Bob over, there's your counseling problem. But did you know God's going to settle old scores at this sheep shearing festival? Secondly, he's going to repay old debts during the sheep shearing festival. What does that mean? Tamar had to lure Judah into a sexual encounter to have her rightful prodigy. Again, that's another story you have to look up. But uh, uh, Judah, sorry, Judah had lied to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, and said, when, you, uh, when my son grows up, you, you're going to be married to him and you're going to have your progeny. You're going to have children. And I promised that to you. And Judah lied, withheld his son, and Tamar took the situation into her own hands. Now, she waited till his wife died, but as soon as his wife died and he mourned her loss, she dressed up like a prostitute because she heard he was on the way to the sheep shearing festival. A lot of eating, a lot of drinking. And so she stepped in, had sex with him, gets pregnant with twins, one of which will produce the Messiah, Perez. But listen, it was a complicated, nasty situation. But did you know God is a master at untying complicated and nasty knots? Yeah, we look at your history. We know it's complicated and nasty. You don't need to tell us. You always give your PG-rated version of your testimony. Stop that. God may allow you to give an X-rated version to somebody that needs to hear the truth about you. Not how you are now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ah, isn't Jesus so wonderful? Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes one to reach one. It takes a former whatever to reach a whatever. And you may have to tell the R-rated version of your testimony to see the anointing fall on you because your anointing flows from your wounds. There's another gleaning. <laughs> 
repayment of old debts occurred during the sheep shearing festival. Third, God would recompense for moral violations during the sheep shearing festival. Judah was held accountable for his abuse of Tamar. Does somebody need God to recompense you for a moral violation that happened? Do you need somebody to own up to something that they did? Take heart. If you allow him to shear you and leave you naked where he's your only covering, he's going to do all these things at sheep shearing season. And we're coming right into sheep shearing season in the kingdom. If you're prepared and you let him subtract the foreskin, subtract the covering, subtract what's been a buffer, you're going to enter into his fulfillment. He's going to settle old scores. He's going to repay old debts. Third, he's going to recompense you for moral violations. Nothing escapes his attention. Fifth, God will allow escape from domineering masters and manipulative leaders. Did you know it was during sheep shearing that Jacob escaped Laban? And it was during sheep shearing that David escaped Saul and went to Nabal. Anybody ever been abused or emotionally or otherwise by a spiritual leader or a person of power and you could not escape their psychological grip, their emotional grip, their actual grip? Cheer up. God is going to let you escape that domineering fool. Nabal was a fool. He was an idiot. Saul was a fool, a devil-possessed king. And God let David escape. And he let Abigail escape, which was Nabal's wife. Sometimes he'll kill you dead so that your wife has a second chance. Don't anyone say amen. (laughs) He said closing the message. Abigail, well, there's going to be an escape from domineering masters and manipulative leaders. Next, God removes people who would block your advancement. If there is a person, place, or thing that is blocking your advancement legitimately, God killed Nabal just like that, took him out of the way. Did you know God still can kill Ananias and Sapphira and leave them on the floor with their offering? Acts chapter 5. If you want the building to shake when you pray, you've got to be willing to die when you lie. This move of God is so thick, it's so pure, it's so sacred, it's so holy that people will be dying in the outer court. Because what you get away with in the outer court, you'll be killed for in the Holy of Holies. Behavior you were allowed out there, like, oh, that's no big deal. Yeah, if you try to move closer to God in the ark and the holy glory of the Lord, boom, lips and tennis shoes. Well, I just don't understand. I've done many sinful things, but they just seem to make one move, and it just seemed to way overkill for God. I don't know what he's... You don't know someone's heart, baby. You don't know someone's soul. You don't know. God looks on the inside. We look on the outside. Well, it was such a mild infraction. Oh, no, it wasn't. Saul lost his whole kingdom by not obeying one command. And Samuel came up and said, by the way, at Gilgal is where Saul was crowned, the city we're talking about right now. And at Gilgal is where his kingdom was rejected, and God turned him away. Samuel said, you're finished. I'm taking the kingdom from you, and I'm giving it to a better man than you. And Saul reached to grab his garment and ripped it. And he said, so has the Lord torn from you the kingdom of Judah. That, he got his crown at Gilgal, and he lost his crown at Gilgal. This was a sacred place. They're circumcised at Gilgal. Do you think, did you know that in the history of Israel moving forward, they never retreated further than Gilgal? Never went any further than that. 
Oh, they lost some ground, but they would always come back to that sacred ground where they became naked before God and he became their covering. Oh, isn't he good? Oh, beloved, isn't he better than we thought? Next, at sheep shearing, God would deal with unrewarded service and unfair compensation. Oops, have you ever been unrewarded and someone gave you unfair compensation and you've been cussing about it behind closed doors? Did you know that Jacob for 20 years had been unrewarded appropriately by Laban? He had not gotten what was his. He'd not gotten a righteous uh, response. Ever been through a bad divorce and they got everything? Oh, Oh, I know a friend that went through a bad divorce and lost everything, including the mansion, which still is worth about $6 million. Zip. Nada. Now, if that doesn't put you on edge and get your teeth sour, there's something wrong with you. But God says, honey, I saw that. I saw that, and I saw you relinquished it, and you let go of it. I saw how you handled yourself. I will repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Someone say amen. And in conclusion, <laughs> at, the, at the sheep shearing festival, you receive what is rightfully yours during that festival. Mm. 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 David received an amazing blessing after Nabal died. He got Abigail. Mm. 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 Oh, beloved, be encouraged. He's subtracting on the threshold, but that subtraction is going to bring a reward unlike anything you have ever seen in your Christian walk, in your walk on this planet. Remember, the Bible says that the years the locusts have eaten are gone. Correct. But the harvests of those years can be given in one day. You know, I've always had a problem with money in ministry, asking for money, taking offerings. Now, let me tell you, first of all, I'm wrong because God's word is clear. By the way, guess what Jericho was as they're laying there wounded in Gilgal? It was the first of 10 cities that they were going to conquer, and that was given over to God and burnt with fire. The first portion of your income, well, should it be a tithe? Look, I'm not going to argue if it's 10%, 11%, 14%, but the first thing belongs to the Lord. The first city of Jericho went to God. Well, I don't want to, how much, 15%, 20%? I'm not going to argue, but I am going to say the first thing belongs to God. It was called the harem, put under a ban. What, the first child born was dedicated to God. The first lamb of your flock was dedicated to God. The first city of 10 was dedicated to God, and it was tithed and set apart as the Lord's. And when a man named Achan came along and thought he'd take a Rolex and a Babylon garment, he brought a curse on the whole tribe and they lost at the Battle of Ai because he took of the tithe for himself. You don't want to eat with what God's. It's God's sheep. Don't eat it. Sacrifice it on the. Well, what a waste of a sheep on the altar in this whole religious, you know, slaughterhouse religion thing. Don't eat God's sheep. First portion goes to the Lord. Whatever that first portion is, <laughs> five and a quarter percent, nine and a half percent. Do you know when you have to ask questions like that, there's something desperately wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it isn't a tithe until something inside goes, eh, you know, because 10% of that $100 could be used 
for that eBay item. You know, if it doesn't go, it's an offering. It's not a tithe. It's just like, you know, I have $2 in my pocket here and 2000 in my left. Lord, which one? Oh, the $2. There we go. We're going to sow that as good seed. In the, that's an offering. You know, do you know what Bill Gates would have to give to tithe on what he has? It would have to be a huge amount that would make him go, eh. <laughs> Bill Gates go, oh, oh. <laughs> Elon Musk go, hey. <laughs> and you may send it here if you feel led. We will take. I've always had a problem with money because I, I couldn't stand the idea of passing bags around and the misconception of that. But did you know it's biblical to give the first fruits to God? And that we've always said here, and, and one thing that was brought to my attention this week, it, it, we, I had a phone conversation with, with a saint, and uh, it was Mark Boynkin. And Mark said, Craig, you know, you've been lately tagging on the end of your messages, if we feed you, feed us. But he said, let them know the truth, which is, we are grateful for any offering or tithe. Secondly, we will not take your address and hunt you down. If you write a check, we're not going to put it in our magical platinum category where we start sending young Mormon men two at a time to your door. I knew a church where they took a vow at the beginning of the year and they came to your house if your tithe was a little late. Can you imagine? I, I mean, I get so paranoid just even talking about it and there are people that will come to your dang house. <laughs> and kick the door down if they have to, to wave a piece of paper about some should or ought or vow that you promised. <sighs> You're never going to get that here. Mark said mention that. We did have a dear saint for the first time sent her offer. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters that it is and that consistency is the best policy. So there's no legalism. See? And I said, well, I can say that. If we feed you, feed us, and we will not track you down. Maybe your wife. She may need a reminder. No, we're not going to put you on our donor mailing list. Okay? Whether platinum, gold, silver, or lead. Or dirt. We allow givers all the way down to dirt. I will never come after you. Tom Warner may come after Dennis. Not me. I'm a man of God. So if you want to sow your seed in good ground, all you have to do is say, dang, this message fed me, well, feed us. Amen? I hate manipulation and control. Isn't it funny? God said to Gideon, anyone that's serving out of vulnerability, manipulation, control, an Absalom spirit, a Jezebel spirit, it's the wrong motive, leave. Leave, I'll let you go. Every appointment I have, I say, Craig, is this impelled, compelled, or freely chosen? Because if it isn't freely chosen, I am going to resent it and you. You gave your word. Yeah, well, that was a rash vow, honey. I'm taking it back. I'm too old and it's too late in the game for me to even not counteract a rash vow when I agree to come to your house for dinner. And I realize I was compelled or impelled to do that. Now, I don't want Tommy ever to come over unless it's freely chosen, Tom. We're going to Malibu to have another dinner. I, I almost want to ask anybody, are you here by your own free choice? Because when someone isn't, 
there's a tick in there. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I had to go here. I had to do this. And, and it's like, I don't, no, 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 no. I want you to want to be with me, not need to be. Want to be. All right. Well, that's it. Look at this. I brought this all in. This is about 10 messages in one, but here's the good news. Go online and get the sermon notes because there's a whole waft of gleanings that you can pick up on your own and run off with. He's subtracting. Oh, praise God. So be it, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We, we, we celebrate on credit right now, God. We praise you right now, even in pain if we have to. We thank you that you are subtracting from us the wool coverings that stink and have withheld intimacy. We, we, we remove everything. We allow you to take everything from us that would buffer between us. We want to be intimate with you. We want to be I-thou with you. We want nothing, person, place, things, circumstance, job, anything to, to be a buffer between us. Thank you, God. You're removing man-made things from us, shoes from our feet, relationships from our lives that would hinder our ongoing advancement in the kingdom. And everybody said, amen. That's my prayer for you, that you be liberated, that you go to the sheep shearing festival, that you allow God to reward you now that he has subtracted from you. Amen. So listen to this message another five times, and you'll get new things out of it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Gretchen, could you just get up and pray over the folk right now? I just want to pray as, as we dismiss. Gretchen is going to lay hands on everyone here, and I want that point of contact to reach you where you are right now. Whether your need is spiritual, you just need to accept Jesus. You can say, Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender to you. Be my Savior. If you need a deliverance, God knows whether it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off. May God bring it to you. If you need a physical healing now, I pray that the God of myrrh would visit you where you are right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and bring you help, hope, and deliverance, Lord. Jesus, we allow you to shear off from us even our pain, physical pain in this room, that you would shear that, that you would cut that away from us, that we could rejoice in you. Lord, we pray that any relational blinders, that you shear those off today, right? things we just can't see because we have a blick and we're unable to shear those blicks off right now, Lord. If there's any darkness in our own minds that are keeping us from the truth, that you shear that off from us right now in Jesus' name, Lord. That you would cut away, Lord, any covering that is a false friendship, a false relationship, a false business connection or deal, that you would shear off everything and everyone that we could be naked before you and clean and pure and smell good and that you would be closer to us than we've ever sensed you before. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're naked now, but we want you to be our warmth. You be our garment. You be our living Savior that would cover us and let us feel warmth. Bring us close, Lord. Draw us in clear. And I pray a reward for all of my precious lambs right now, Lord. That his sheep shearing season is here and the festival is here. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you will, that you will bless and recompense and, and bring a reversal for good. That you, would, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would turn it around, whatever it is, and reward your people. Lord, we believe you exist and now we choose to believe that you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. 
We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.